Hello and welcome into another episode of Lockdown Wolves. Today on the show, it's the post-game podcast. We're talking about the Phoenix Suns snapping the Wolves' seven-game winning streak on Wednesday in the desert. This was a start-to-finish debacle for the Wolves. The defense just was not what we're used to seeing. Obviously, tired legs after an emotional win 24 hours prior at Golden State. Uh, but the defense simply was not on point. On the plus side, Carl Anthony Towns continues to play extremely well. We'll talk about all that here on the show today. Welcome in. You are Locked On Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Lockdown Wolves podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Lockdown Wolves. Today's episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case, providing you with a personal supply of five antibiotics that treat 50 plus infections. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. That's Jace Medical, J-A-S-E medical.com. Happy Thursday, everybody, and unfortunately, it is, uh, it, it's a, a day after a loss Thursday. Uh, the Wolves fell to the Phoenix Suns on Wednesday night, losing their, snapping their seven-game winning streak. Um, it's the post-game pod, so we're going to talk all about it. We'll talk the pros, we'll talk the cons. It was a bit of a sleepwalking uh, performance, for a sleepwalk performance from the Wolves. Although Carl Anthony Towns played very well, Mike Conley played well. There were certainly some bright spots, especially offensively, but defensively, not a whole lot to write home about. But I want to talk about what happened because um, I, I didn't get a chance to really preview the game a whole lot on Wednesday because of everything that happened Tuesday night. So um, I want to talk a little bit of some of the prep I'd done for that related to Phoenix and, and why uh, Phoenix is, what Phoenix does offensively does not align well with what the Wolves like to do defensively um, if you're a Wolves supporter. So I want to talk about that here off the top, and uh, we'll break down the game a bit further. We'll do individual studs and duds and, and everything we always do on the postgame pod. Here off the top, though, a big thank you for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, the show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms, wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can find Lockdown Wolves. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon at Fire TV. And you can follow on X at Lockdown T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon. That's with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right. So a couple things at play here for this loss. One, obviously, the second night of a back-to-back. And, and by the way, the Wolves' first back-to-back of the season believe I saw somewhere the Wolves were the last team that had not had a back-to-back yet this year. And by the way, they don't have another one for another month. It's like the week before Christmas, like leading into, it's like December, maybe 20th and 21st or 21st and 22nd. Um, lots of rest advantage games for the Wolves early in the season, which which is great because obviously the schedule has been really tough having already played, you know, Boston and, uh, and Denver and Miami and now Phoenix. Um it's been a difficult schedule. So the rest advantage is great. So that's part of it, right? Traveling from Golden State to Phoenix, um, playing less than 24 hours after tip-off the night before, everybody except Jade McDaniels playing uh, real back-to-back after playing, uh, you know, Towns played 42 minutes on Tuesday night in Golden State. So all that is very real. Plus, you ha- you have, uh, well, it was expected to be the return of Bradley Beal, but you have Devin Booker back on the floor for Phoenix. Um, so a bit some emotions there on the Phoenix side. And then the other piece of it is the matchup. 
Phoenix is a tough matchup for Minnesota. And I said this last year going into the playoffs. And of course, they had Chris Paul and not Bradley Beal at the time. There were other things. Obviously, a lot has actually really changed since then. But related to Phoenix's roster, including the coach. But uh, it, it remains that Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are two of the very best mid-range jump shooters in the league. And the Wolves' defense is designed to try and force those mid-range jumpers, right? Um, and when the Wolves play drop pick-and-roll coverage, that's you're okay with giving up the mid-range jumper. The problem in this game is the Wolves didn't just give up mid-range jumpers. They gave up straight-line drives to the rim. Phoenix didn't even have to run too many pick and rolls. I, I, I mean, they just could, Devin Booker was just beating first Anthony Edwards and then later Jade McDaniels off the dribble. And like for so many of Booker's makes were at the rim. In fact, I've got a shot chart here and, and it was just, um, actually, if you compare Durant's shot chart to Booker's shot chart, Booker, he had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight shots that according to the shot chart I'm looking at were at or within the restricted area. So, just a few feet from the rim. Eight of his, how many shot attempts did he have in this game? Booker attempted 22 shots. So more than a third of his shot attempts were effectively at the rim. Um, Kevin Durant, obviously a different game. He, uh, he and by different game, I mean, he plays a different game than Devin Booker. He only had one shot attempt at the rim. And all the rest of his were like basically right at the 10, 12 foot mark, like in a straight line across the court from one side to the other. And he was extremely efficient in this game. Durant shot 11 of 15 for the field, only shot two threes, and he made them both, was 7 of 7 at the line. Um, and it was it was Durant mid-range them to death, and Booker got to the rim at will. Uh, coming into the game, I was researching what Phoenix, you know, digging a little bit deeper into the numbers. Last year, the Suns um, took the third most long mid-range shots of any team in the league. And, and according to Cleaning the Glass, that's anything... That's beyond, I think it's from the 14-foot mark out to the three-point line. Um, and they were pretty middle of the pack in terms of four to 14 feet, like the mid-mid-range. But long mid-range, the, the Suns attempted the third most, or or attempted long mid-range jumpers at the third highest rate of any team in the league last season. This year so far, coming into this game, Phoenix was ninth in long mid-range shots. The Timberwolves, coming into this game this season, have forced the third most long mid-range shots of any team in the league. So um, the Wolves have, have have forced opponents to take the third most shots from the 14-foot mark out to the three-point line of any team in the league. The Wolves are trying to funnel you to those shots away from corner threes um, and into the middle of the floor where Gobert can be effective guarding the paint. McDaniels and Edwards can use their length to hopefully turn you over, but if nothing else, contest and alter your shots. That the Suns are happy to do that, and then when you add in the fatigue and the and perhaps the emotional impact of everything that happened Tuesday, and Ant was just like he was number culprit number one early in this well throughout the game, but that allowed the Wolves to get behind. He just Devin Booker was just getting past him with ease, and then in situations where Ant was expected to help, he was a step late. This was a um, I like to think of the well, I don't like to think of it, but an example would be I think it was game 81 last year, it was like the Saturday before the season finale when the Wolves had like a matinee against San Antonio and Anthony Edwards barely got into a stance, barely put a hand up to contest a shot. It was a horrific defensive performance in that game. This was maybe not quite to that level, um, but it was not a good defensive performance for Anthony Edwards or for the Wolves as a whole. And, and um, I, you know, I, I try to be fair on the show. Like I'm calling him out for what it was like. Uh, it just was not a good, defensive performance. And, and of course I said also on the show on Wednesday, 
winning this game was it's playing with house money, right? Because of the way the Wolves won that game on Tuesday in Golden State. The fact that they won both games in Golden State, nobody expected that. This was always going to be a tough game. The second night of a road back-to-back at Phoenix, add in the Devin Booker component, add in everything that happened in, in game two in Golden State Tuesday night, and the fact it went down to the wire, guys played heavy minutes. This is not a shock. It was the perfect storm of a team that matches up well with the Timberwolves, what the Wolves do best on defense, the Suns are happy to shoot mid-range shots all day long, and they're really good at them. Plus, the 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 fatigue from Tuesday night impacting, especially Anthony Edwards and and you know you would think Carl Anthony Towns, but Cat played really well. We'll talk more about that. Um, but in general, it was the perfect storm of those two things: the, the fatigue and also the matchup just not being great for the Wolves. It just never Phoenix just is not a good matchup for them. Um, so three point shoot is what really killed the wolves. I want to talk a little bit more about that next. I want, you know, we talked about Booker straight line drives. There were some breakdowns in rotation. We could talk about our old friend, Josh Akogi, who just killed the wolves in this game. Um, so those are all the things I want to talk about next. And we will talk cat. We will talk a couple of positives on the offensive side of the ball for the wolves. We'll do all of that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends at FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the auction. We are just past the midway point in the NFL regular season and uh, only a couple weeks left, I believe, in the college football regular season. So it still is football season. And of course, Thanksgiving coming up a week from today, believe it or not. Plenty of that's a great time to be on FanDuel to to check out the matchups for Thanksgiving Day. Of course, three football games. There's a Black Friday uh football NFL game as well now too, so check that out on FanDuel. The FanDuel app is extremely easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options that include spreads, player props, over/unders, and more. So visit fanduel.com slash locked on to kick off your football season and get you ready for the Thanksgiving week. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right. Um... I want to talk a little bit about the three-point disparity, and that's number one for this game. I'm going to throw up, if you're watching YouTube, I'm going to throw up the uh, the, the the stats from the box score. Phoenix shot 60% from the field, which is obviously absurd. Uh, Minnesota shot 45.7%, good enough to win, right? Phoenix was 17 of 31 on three-pointers. I don't have this on the graphic, but uh, the math will tell you that's a 54.8% clip from deep, which is insane. Insane. Um, one of the key things, and if you listen to any national podcasts, I, I listened to the athletic basketball show, um, and I believe it was Seth Partnow, of course, formerly of the Milwaukee Bucks front office talked about this, uh, uh, Kevin Pelton talked about it on the low post podcast with Zach Lowe ESPN about the wolves, the crazy, per, the crazy bad percentage that teams were shooting against the Wolves from three so far this season. It was like 31% coming into play on Wednesday night, which is insanely low, and there was always going to be a progression to the mean, right? A progression to closer to league average. Um, and my my thing to that that I was saying out loud to myself, um, to nobody in particular when listening to these podcasts, is something I talked about the other day on the show. 
the Wolves are allowing a low frequency of corner three-pointers. They're, it's more above the break threes. And in general, funneling people to more mid-range jump shots. So all of that plays into it. Opponent effective field goal percentage, more mid-range shots and not fouling is going to play into that. And then less corner threes is going to help your three-point percentage and obviously, or opponent three-point percentage. And obviously the length of McDaniels and Nikki Alexander-Walker um, cat hard hedging on, on screens like that stuff's going to impact opponent three point percentage. So there is some skill to it, right? It's not purely luck. That said, this game, there was a lack of skill on the Wolves side, a lack of execution. Maybe is a better way to say that, but also some luck on Phoenix's side. I mean, Josh Akogi came into this game shooting like 17% from three Wolves fans know those struggles. I mean, we'll never forget that Golden State game of, you know, what, three years ago when he was like one of nine on threes and Golden State was literally not guarding him. It was like what the, the Wolves were doing to Draymond on Sunday with with Rudy, quote unquote, guarding Draymond Green. Uh, but Josh Kogi was three for three in threes in this game on threes in this game. He hit two early in the first quarter. Um, I mean, they got a three from from Drew Eubanks. They got a three from Watanabe. Like this was an onslaught of, th- of made three pointers for Phoenix. And the Wolves rotations were slow. This wasn't purely luck. Um, the Wolves were slow, but in no world would the Wolves have expected Josh Okogie to make three threes for Grayson Allen to be three of five, um, you know, for Nurkic to be one of one, Eubanks to be one of one, and for the team to shoot 54.8% from three. Nobody could have guessed that. So again, both are true here. The Wolves were not clean defensively. They were slow. They were fatigued from Tuesday night's game, and... Um, Phoenix made some shots you wouldn't normally expect them to make. They had some good fortune on their side. And I, I said the same about the first half in Golden State. The Wolves defensively obviously were much better down the stretch in the Golden State game Tuesday. But um, that sort of frenetic energy and and um, stick-to-itiveness defensively just never showed up in this game for the Wolves. And Phoenix just crushed it from deep. It was, um, again, part of this perfect storm. But the three-point gap, on the flip side, as decent as the Wolves were offensively, and and I'll put those numbers back up here, um, the Wolves only shot, I mean, they shot almost 46% for the field. They got to the line 28 times in this game, or 26 to 28 the Wolves were at the free throw line. Um, But Phoenix made 17 three-pointers. The Wolves made five. So go ahead and do that math. Well, actually, here, I'll do it for you. That's a 51 to 15 disparity in terms of points off of three point made three point shots. Phoenix made scored 51 points on made threes. The Wolves scored 15 points on made threes. That's a 36 point delta that the Wolves would have had to try and make up on two pointers and free throws. The Wolves are a plus 12 at the free throw line. Great, right? That makes up 12 of the 36. That gets you to 24. Well, they ended up losing by 18. Um, and I'd be willing to bet that the Wolves maybe made a few more two-point shots than the Suns. Well, they must have, right? A couple more two-point shots than the than the, than the Suns of this game. But that 36-point delta in three-point points off of three-point attempts, too much to make up. You just can't do it. You can't give up 17 made threes and only make five yourself. The Wolves all season, that's been the biggest weakness, I think, in their offense is they haven't been shooting enough threes. And you have a couple guys, um, lately ants, but, you know, Mostly for the season, it's been Cat shooting below where you'd expect him to be. Um, Shake Milton, you know, obviously lower volume. Um, Conley's been good. But, like, in general, there haven't been enough three-point attempts, and they haven't been quite good enough from outside the arc. And that, mixed with Phoenix just shooting lights out and making crazy shots from everywhere, and the Wolves' defense being slow, it's not a good recipe if you want to succeed. 
And uh, that's what we saw happen here is, is the Wolves didn't succeed, didn't succeed. They could not make up that 36-point delta and three-points uh, shots. Great job getting to the free-throw line. Um, and we saw, you know, a bunch of calls. The Wolves got the Suns into the penalty pretty early in the third quarter, but they weren't able to really do anything with it. Um, and it just like and it was all spread out, too. It was like no one guy on the Wolves was doing a great job at getting to the rim besides Cat consistently. Um, the Wolves had what? Five players that attempted four more free throws in this game, which is interesting. So um, in general, it's a bad matchup. The Wolves were fatigued. And then on top of it, Phoenix got some unplanned contributions from guys like Josh Akogi, among others. And suddenly you're looking at a, at a game that was Wolves down by six at the end of the first, Wolves down by 22 at halftime, Wolves down by 28 going to the fourth quarter. And uh, they did get it down to, I believe, 18 at one point, maybe 17, but never any closer than that in the fourth. And they ultimately lose by 18 um, when it was all said and done. So disappointing performance. There's a lot of things we can kind of explain away here. And, you know, schedule loss, yes. Disappointing the way that it went down, yes. All of that's true. Um, oh, and one more thing here on this graphic that I still have up on YouTube. The Wolves won so many of these other categories, right? Minnesota had less turnovers. They only turned it over six times in this game. They were actually a plus on the glass, a plus eight on the glass, and they committed seven less personal fouls than Phoenix did, and they got to the line a bunch more. I don't have that on the graphic, but what was the stat I gave a minute ago? The Wolves attempted 28 free throws to Phoenix's 15. So Wolves were a plus 13 in free throw attempts, a plus three in the turnover battle, a plus eight in the rebounding battle, and, uh, you know, committed seven less fouls overall. So, and also, by the way, shooting 46% from the field isn't bad either. So in so many of these areas, the Wolves actually, on paper, it looks like they played well enough to win. And and there wasn't all that much true garbage time. Like Durant was in the game until there were three minutes left, right? The Wolves didn't pull starters until there were about four and a half minutes left in the fourth. Um, But it's misleading because the defense was so bad. The Wolves offense wasn't horrible. Uh, but if you make a few more of those threes along the way, and if Okogi make you know is one of three instead of three of three, which would have been reasonable to expect, then you've at least got a game on your hands in the fourth quarter. You know maybe it ends up being more of a, a eight, ten, twelve point loss instead of an eighteen point loss. In general, though, the Wolves still didn't play well enough to win. I don't think there's any any other way to slice that, frankly. Um, all right, let's close by talking individual studs and duds. We'll peek ahead at what's next for the Wolves and what we'll talk about here later this week on the show. We'll do all that here next. Today's episode is brought to us by our friends at Jace Medical. We spend a lot of time talking together on this podcast, you and I. We get fired up together on wins and losses. This one, it's, it's tough to get truly fired up about this one. It was it was a schedule loss, but fired up after the Warriors game for a lot of different reasons. And, uh, you know, who starts, who sits, what Finch's rotations look like, etc. I'm thankful for the connection we have here on the show. Today, I want our chat to be a little bit more personal, and that's regarding Jace Medical. Whether you're on extended travel, bracing for a major weather event here as we get into the winter, uh, fall and winter seasons, or limited by yet another supply shortage, you are covered thanks to our partners at Jace Medical. Life-saving antibiotics plus a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. That even includes ED generics for Cialis, Viagra, and Rivadio prescriptions. Go online right now at jacemedical.com. If you're watching on YouTube, you can see it there at the bottom of the screen. You'll get your 12-month supply and your daily medication. Don't forget to use the promo code LOCKDOWN at checkout for a discount as well. A verified customer had this to say about Jace, quote, I'm thankful for the service. Supply chain issues caused me to cut pills in half to have it. I ordered most of my daily meds with a year supply. I also ordered an antibiotic kit. I feel secure now. Prices are lower, 
than local pharmacies. And I highly recommend this for everyone, end quote. If you or someone you love will get peace of mind by having a year's supply of any daily bed, just go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Again, jacemedical.com and our promo code is locked on. You'll get $20 off your purchase. All right, let's close this thing out by talking individual studs and duds. We'll put a bow on this one and, and put it behind us, not talk about it, hopefully ever again. Uh, for the Wolves studs, Carl Anthony Towns, we talked a little bit about him earlier. He had 25 points on 10 of 17. He was actually 0 of 4 outside the arc. He was a perfect 5 of 5 at the line. He chipped in 7 rebounds, 2 assists, only 1 turnover in 31 minutes. Cat um, was good in this game. Like Besides the 3 ball not fouling, he made some good decisions. He uh, was on point driving to the basket. He got uh, Durant in the post in a bad way a couple of times, backed him down, scored in the paint. Cat um, clearly is in a rhythm offensively, and the Wolves need him to be. This is one of those games where he needed at least one other guy to come to the party. And again, it was more about the defense, right? 46% from the floor, 115 points. Like You should win most of those games um, if you make a few more three-pointers, 28 free throw attempts as a team. Cat led the way on offense, and the Wolves were just... Like late in the game, that was their only hope, right? They were just hoping they could strike lightning in a bottle. By the way, Cat's birthday on Wednesday. Happy birthday, Cat. He's now 28. So they were looking for birthday magic late. Didn't happen, but he was still the best player on the floor for the Wolves. No question about that. 25 and 7, two assists, only one turnover for Cat. 10 of 17 shooting, five made free throws on five attempts. I'm also going to give a stud to Mike Conley. Mike was great, especially early in this game. 14 points. Three assists, two rebounds. He shot five of eight from the field. One of three on threes and three of three at the line. Had a nice three-point play. It was a good a good Mike Conley performance. You know, defensively, it, I mean, the whole team was poor. It's hard to blame any place directly on Conley. Obviously, he was part of that effort. But on offense, at least, Conley was pretty good. Um, so I would go ahead and give him a stud. There's not really anybody else. I mean, like, Rudy had a pedestrian game. Um McDaniels was good offensively, six of 10 shooting. He missed, bricked a couple of wide open corner threes at, at moments where that momentum could have kept swinging. I think it was like an 18 point game in the third or early fourth, maybe. And the Wolves had a slight bit of momentum. It was kind of their last gasp. McDaniels bricked a three, should have made. There were a couple in the first half, same deal. Um, just missed those open shots. And defensively, he was good. He wasn't great. And the Wolves needed him to be great in this game. And he was the one guy who barely played. He played two minutes in the game last night, Tuesday night. And ended up only playing 23 in this game, partly because of fouls. He got three first-half fouls in this one, a couple cheapies in there, and then, um, of course, blowout. He didn't play a whole lot late. So uh, a decent McDaniels game, I guess, if I had to give a third start, probably still give it to him. Um, Duds, I got to give one to Ants in this game. This was the worst game Ants played, I think, in I think this year. Um, I, like Obviously, the Atlanta game comes to mind in terms of a, a, a team debacle, but I think Ant... If, if memory serves, was pretty decent in the second half when the Wolves were trying to make a push. This was a bad ant game. 13 points on 16 shots, 4 of 16 shooting, 1 of 3 outside the arc, 4 of 4 at the line, 4 rebounds, 4 assists, only 1 turnover. Um, for In terms of individual player, single game plus minus, which I don't love, he was a team worst minus 29 in this game. Just not a good ant performance, unfortunately. Nobody else gets a dud. The Wolves did have some... Deep bench guys play garbage 10 minutes. Luca Garza got five minutes, had five points, two boards, got to the line a couple times. Josh Minot, activity, offensive rebound, and a putback for his two points and one rebound all came on that one sequence. Missed a couple of threes, but that activity 
in the paint, it was an and one opportunity. He missed the free throw as well. But the activity level in the paint to get the offensive board and put it back, I still think at some point this year we're going to see Josh Mine at rotation minutes. Now, the Wolves go nine deep, and that's not changing. Like, Troy Brown Jr. is the 10th guy. He's not in the rotation right now. Um, so Mine has got some work to do to pass him up. And um, he's. But my guess is he's probably next man up. Like, if somebody, knock on wood, hopefully this doesn't happen, if somebody gets injured, I think Minot becomes that 10th guy and Brian Jr. steps into the rotation for now. But then you're only somebody in foul trouble or a, a twisted ankle away from now your rotation guy. We're going to see that from Minot at some point here relatively soon. I, I truly believe that. Um, Troy Brown Jr., by the way, was fine. Uh, didn't make a shot for the field, but he got to the line a couple times. And I thought looked pretty active defensively. I thought he did okay on Kevin Durant in those few minutes that he was guarding him. Uh, Shake Milton, okay game again as well, which was nice to see after um, he has, he scored some points kind of in garbage time, pseudo garbage time late. But after a strong, that big third quarter in Golden State, it was good to see him have another decent performance the next night. Um, that's kind of it from this game. I don't really know what else to say about it. it. It's for all the reasons I already stated, let's move on, right? I mean, there's so much positive to say about this team. I don't want to get too bogged down unless this thing like... The Atlanta loss felt like the sky was falling after game three of the season. Um, and then, of course, the Wolves go rattle off seven straight wins, starting with that big win over Denver. So, um, like, I, I, the sky is not falling. This was a effectively a schedule loss. Winnable game at New Orleans. Of course, lots of weird stuff going on with Zion there. That's Saturday. The Wolves have two days off again after this back-to-back. Uh, it's like the third time this year they've had Thursday and Friday off going into a Saturday game. Then they come back home after a five-game road trip. They get the Knicks at home on Monday, the Sixers next Wednesday, Sacramento next Friday. So that's also a very tough stretch. Um, all good teams. I mean, the Sixers lost the Celtics by 10 tonight, but they were in a battle uh, for the Eastern Conference. I believe they're also 8-3 and three now, same record as the Wolves. The Knicks um, are good. Uh, they won again on Wednesday night as well. Um, and then Sacramento has been a little bit disappointed, but De'Aaron Fox is back now, and that should be interesting. That's also, by the way, an in-season tournament game next Friday at home. We'll get to see those, the fresh uh, tournament in-season tournament court at Target Center for the first time next Friday night against Sacramento, and then I believe the following Tuesday against Oklahoma City is also an in-season tournament game as pool play will conclude then the Tuesday after Thanksgiving. So again, Wolves at New Orleans Saturday night. This is 6 p.m. Central tip. We will have a live postcast following that game. Um, I actually may be hosting Saturday, so tune into that on the Lockdown, uh, or excuse me, yeah, Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. We'll have the audio here on this audio feed over the weekend. Um, and then next Monday, the Wolves are at home for the Knicks. Next Wednesday, which is Thanksgiving Eve for the Sixers. Next Friday, home for the Kings before they go out for a one-game road trip to Memphis next weekend. Um, that's next Sunday, a week from Sunday. Um, well, of course we still have shows Thursday and Friday. So I want to break down the defense a bit further. We'll take a look at what all the metrics look like after this debacle of a defensive performance against Phoenix. We'll break down a bit of what I was talking about in terms of types of opponent shots. I also want to talk some on off numbers, lineup data related to Ant, related to the big man rotation, all that stuff over the next two days. And then on Friday, we'll preview that New Orleans Pelicans matchup. On Saturday, the Wolves already beat the Pelicans once, but it was a shorthanded New Orleans team. So we'll talk about that on Friday's show. So lots to get to Thursday and Friday. Postcast over the weekend. Monday, we'll also talk about uh, Saturday's game against the Pelicans. So packed shows upcoming. 
A big thank you for making this show your first listen every day. And of course, a reminder, you can watch on YouTube or on the Locked On Sports Minnesota app on Roku and Amazon Fire TV. And of course, you can listen wherever you like to listen to podcasts. You can also follow the show on X at Locked On T-Wolves and also at B-Beacon with two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. Of course, the Locked On Wolves podcast is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Remember, the Locked On Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked On Wolves podcast. And we'll catch you next time.